Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is April the 17th, 2020. Goodness gracious, we do not have uh, what they call bumper music, lead-in and lead-out music. I erred in setting up my computer this afternoon. Uh, We're living in a three-ring circus, so I apologize for that. But other than that, I'm here. And, and I hope to be able to provide you with the information that you really need to be able to sort through this disaster that has claimed so many lives, shut down businesses around the world. Uh, we are truly living through a global crisis, and it's man-made. Uh, and that's the hardest part of us all. Um, the circumstances are certainly questionable, whether or not this was done intentionally, certainly Uh, Up for grabs, the U.S. government is now doing an investigation to determine how the coronavirus escaped from China to the rest of the world. And uh, China can do the twist and shout, but we all know what's really going on. Uh, You know, those of you who are familiar with my program, familiar with me, know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the old INS. And I've been covering the issue of immigration and terrorism ever since, uh, well, ever since 9-11. Uh, It's been my mission, if you will, to wake everybody up to the threats that we face because of multiple failures of the immigration system. And so as we consider this pandemic, uh, we need to give a little bit of a retrospective thought to why we have immigration laws and why we have borders in the first place. Uh, We hear so much about Ellis Island, and we must remember that Ellis Island was a quarantine station run by the U.S. Public Health Service in conjunction with immigration authorities. The biggest concern back then, uh, boy, oh, boy, back then and today, uh, hang on to your old neckties, they'll be coming back in fashion, you know. Back then, concern number one, believe it or not, pandemics. We thought we had nothing to worry about. We have modern medicine. Guess what? You either learn from the past you repeat the past and here we are Ellis Island was about keeping out aliens who could sicken large swaths of our population aliens who had dangerous mental illness aliens who could not support themselves and when we were able to find out and it wasn't as easy as today whether or not an arriving intending immigrant was a criminal wanted for crimes and we saw that with the Nazi war criminals entering the United States to escape the long arm of the law Uh, from Nuremberg and other tribunals in Europe because of the Holocaust and crimes against humanity, unspeakable, unthinkable crimes. Our immigration laws broadened. Uh, Ultimately, during the Depression, President Roosevelt wanted our immigration laws enforced to make certain that Americans, not foreign nationals, but Americans would get the jobs and that foreign nationals would not only not compete with Americans for jobs, but that they wouldn't suppress the wages of American workers. Many people think that the 40-hour work week, for example, was the result of the unions. It wasn't. It was something that the Roosevelt administration did because the feeling was that if you have enough work for one of your workers to work overtime, then you actually have enough work to hire yet another American to get that American off the unemployment line. 
That's what this is about, protecting America and Americans. And somehow a con job has been foisted on the American people. This thing eclipses anything that Madoff ever did in his wildest dreams to convince nearly half of the American population, at least it would seem, that there's something inherently wrong about protecting the citizens of our nation from criminals and terrorists and those people who would come here and displace American workers. At the end of the day, that's why we have immigration laws. Nothing in it about race, nothing in it about religion. The lunatic left and the open borders crowd on the right. It's, it's both sides. This isn't a left-right issue. They will pretend to be different, but they're on the same page. That's why this past year, the Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives couldn't barely trip over each other quick enough <clears throat> to vote by something like a three-quarter majority to pass three immigration bills that were terrible for the United States and for American workers. You want to see collusion? Watch the politicians. Yes, the, the Democrats have absolutely lost their moral compass. They are beyond any kind of possible recognition as Democrats. I'm a registered Democrat, full disclosure. I'm a labor guy. My dad, I've spoken about him frequently, was a construction worker, my biggest hero next to my mom, who came here, by the way, by herself at the age of 13, lived by herself in a strange country in a rooming house, and labored in a sweatshop for, for $3 a week making umbrellas. She was 13, supporting herself. These are my heroes. They are my parents, and I stand on their shoulders. Uh, and it's been more than 50 years since I had the, the wonderful pleasure, the privilege of hugging them and talking to them. They both died when I was in college. But I still stand on their shoulders, and the lessons they taught me have lasted me a lifetime. Hard work and being conscientious and being honest and being fair. That's what America used to be, you know, truth, justice, and the American way. And yet those three words that used to be synonymous with Superman had to be altered during the last Superman movie, the American way. What's that? Wow. How far have we fallen? We're told about toxic masculinity. God forbid men should be men and women should be women. And this isn't the statement about gay rights. I don't care what your preference is. Live your life the way you see fit. I'm kind of libertarian on the issue. <clears throat> but when you could talk with a derisive tone about toxic masculinity and white privilege, then you are attacking a group of our fellow Americans. Let's call it out. If you want fairness, then let's be fair. When corporate executives say, well, the Constitution guarantees you the right to attempt to be successful and what you do with it is up to you, I agree. But then why the hell do we provide golden parachutes for losers who take control of companies and when they got to get out of Dodge, they don't use a getaway car, they use a Gulfstream 5 and they own it, lock, stock, and bagel. How did that happen? Hypocrisy permeates our society today. Stop and think about it. We're told, hey, you want to succeed, you've got to put in the effort, and there's no guarantee of success. Isn't the golden parachute for a corporate executive a guarantee of success, no matter how badly they screw up the company? They can drive the company off the edge into bankruptcy, but they've got their golden parachute. And if you work for that guy with the golden parachute, don't let him catch you taking a pencil from that company that has the company logo on it, especially 
when they have security guards march you out the door, even if you're being fired, not because you screwed up, but because the company had to downsize or whatever. Look, let's be fair about all of this. I believe in capitalism. I hate communism. But corporate welfare is not capitalism. This loyalty to America by moving operations overseas to swindle Americans out of their jobs, that's not what I see as a free market. I see that as a screwing of America and Americans. And to move companies to China, our adversary, do you think they wish us well? My last article for front page, I haven't written one in a bit because I've been busy doing some other projects and working on some other things. But my last project, my last article, focused on how the Department of Education is investigating how universities, including our best schools, Harvard, MIT, um, Texas A&M, there's a list, getting billions of dollars from foreign governments. And that's bad enough, but these are governments that aren't our friends, Saudi Arabia, China, the United Arab Emirates. These aren't allies per se. We work with them. We have mutual understandings. I get that. But why are foreign governments pouring billions of dollars into universities, universities trying to conceal the money? And I want to know what those foreign governments are getting in exchange for that kind of money. I don't think that they want to improve American universities so that American students will do better. I think what they're really trying to do is to turn those universities into propaganda centers because they then have a big voice in what the curriculum is that will be taught and who will be teaching it. China is very good at exporting their propaganda. China purchased and is broadcasting from Mexico on a very powerful radio radio station that bathes the southwest of the United States, aimed at their citizens in the United States to keep them loyal to their country. Chinese espionage goes on every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month. And until the Trump administration came in, we were teaching their engineers everything they needed to know about weapons systems, everything they needed to know about computers, and so they hack our computers. And then they warn our ships in the South China Sea to stay away from their artificial, and I might add illegal, artificial islands in the South China Sea because they are attempting to be preeminent in the region. And then you have Joe Biden, allegedly with his son, dealing with China. And when President Trump calls him out, he's accused of xenophobia. Xenophobia. Wow. Did anybody ever accuse the the, uh, Democrats and their bogus Russian probe of being xenophobic because they were trying to link President Trump with Russia? That wasn't xenophobia. But concerns about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and China, oh, that's xenophobia. Hypocrisy can be found on the left, it can be found on the right, it can be found all over the place. Our country oozes hypocrisy. And we as Americans have got to hold these bad actors accountable. When I used to vote, we used to have voting machines in New York. And when I went into that voting booth, we used to have these little levers that you would flip. And you know what those levers reminded me of? They reminded me of the little lever on my toilet. If I didn't like a politician, Push the lever and flush the bum away. Boom, you're out of here. People don't vote. People don't pay attention. People don't read. They take one side of the news and not listen to the other side of the news. That's idiotic. Look, I'll be honest with you. Most of the time these days, I listen and watch Fox News. 
but that doesn't mean I ignore ABC, CNN, or MSNBC. I disagree with them, <clears throat> but Fox isn't always right. And, you know, even a broken clock gets to get it right once every 12 hours. And I also want to know how the people that I, how I disagree with came to their decision. These aren't evil people, my neighbors. We speak about each other like we're at war with our own damn neighbors. That's not what America is about. That's not what the First Amendment is about. You're pro-choice, pro-choice. You're not enemies. Folks are Americans with a different perspective. If you really believe in the Constitution, if you really are a constitutionalist, then you should be able to say, you know, I disagree with you, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Whatever happened to that expression? We've become warring factions, the bloods and the crypts. We're so busy attacking each other that we don't see how the crooked politicians, forgive the redundancy, are walking off with our country and walking off with our future. That's not bad enough. They're stealing the future of our children and their children. Doesn't get worse than that. Doesn't get worse than that. Because we are stupid, we are lazy, we're self-absorbed. We don't even know how to pay attention anymore. We have an attention span shorter than goldfish. Twitter is ridiculous. We, we bark at each other in 144 character whatevers. Whatever happened to being articulate and reading and developing an understanding? Half the people will not read an article beyond the headline. Trust me. They read the headline, and that's all they need to know. Ten words or less. Instant intelligence. God help us. America used to be the most literate country on the planet. Boy, have we fallen. And by flooding America with people who don't speak, read, or write English, I feel like a stranger in my own city. Why should anybody have to speak English? Why should we have to worry about how tightly we cram illegal aliens into housing? Well, look at what's happened to New York with the coronavirus. Why in the world do you think New York's death rate and infection rate soared through the stratosphere like a rocket heading for the moon. Why? Because there is no other city in the entire United States of America that jams its residents more tightly into little boxes. You know what it reminds me of? Did you ever get on the highway and see a tractor trailer rolling down the road with a bunch of chicken coops stacked one on top of the other? And these poor birds can barely get their beaks into the air so they can breathe. They're stuffed into those damn boxes, those coops. Well, hell, they're going off to slaughter anyway. Who cares? Let me tell you, Mayor de Blasio here in New York City, and they keep misspelling his name, and it's not fair. You've got to spell people's names properly to show them the appropriate respect. De Blasio, D-U-H, Blasio. This is the mayor of the city that got hammered the worst on September 11, 2001, and he is doing everything possible to obstruct immigration law enforcement officers from doing their sworn jobs, a job I was proud to do, wish I could have done it longer, wish I could have made more arrests, and I was there for 30 years. And I am proud of that badge, and I'm proud of the work that we did. I've arrested terrorists, murderers, drug dealers, child molesters, and people who took jobs Americans should have taken. What do you think of that? And Cuomo gets out there trying to look like your good, friendly neighbor called immigration agents thugs, provides illegal aliens with driver's license, which is a direct 
contradiction of the findings and warnings of the 9-11 Commission. Ignores the fact that the weapon of choice for terrorists today, not airplanes, motor vehicles, the bombing of the World Trade Center in 93 involved a truck driven by an illegal alien rented by another illegal alien because they had driver's licenses. A month before that, the CIA gets shot up by a Pakistani terrorist by the name of Kansi who applied for political asylum and it involved a delivery truck that he drove into the parking lot of the CIA in Virginia. Look at the truck attacks around the United States and around the world, terrorists and trucks mowing people down. But we're going to give illegal aliens driver's licenses. They're going to drive anyway. Well, you know, I testified before the New York State Legislature back when Governor Spitzer was there. You remember Spitzer, the party boy who liked to do the horizontal mambo with hookers? So the commissioner of motor vehicles testified, and I couldn't believe it. I was sitting with the previous commissioner, and the current commissioner at that time under Playboy Spitzer said what? He said, driving isn't a luxury or a privilege. Driving is a necessity. And that's why we need to give licenses to the undocumented. Undocumented. If they're undocumented, how the hell do they prove who they are? And a driver's license is a key to the kingdom. With it, you can get credit cards. You can rent an apartment. You can go about your business. And that's exactly what the terrorists did. The 19 hijackers on, from 9-11 in the aggregate used more than 360 false names, including driver's licenses from various states that were too inept and corrupt to do a good job of screening who they were giving licenses to. So that's who we're emulating. In this. And by the way, Cuomo has ordered that immigration, information, immigration not be given access to motor vehicle information. But he's giving it to Canada. I guess he understands that Canada needs to protect himself. Maybe he doesn't give a crap what happens to New York or America. Because once an alien gets a driver's license in any state, and we saw that with the 9-11 hijackers, they are free to go anywhere in the United States, rent vehicles, and we're off to the races. So if you're living in Alabama, if you're living in Arkansas, if you're living in Washington State, if you're living, uh, I don't know, pick a country, the state, Montana, someone with a New York license could come to your town, rent a truck, and carry out an attack. So don't just think it's a New York problem. It's a national problem. This is lunacy. Lunacy. And meanwhile, the left says, oh, we've got to clean up the environment, but they put millions of more drivers on the road with more cars, more congestion, and guess what that leads to? More pollution. But again, hypocrisy, something we've gotten used to. Now, what's really remarkable, let me see if I can find this, de Blasio on... I was hoping I could find it quickly, but I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it without having the document in front of me because it, it was just the most stupefying thing that I had ever seen. De Blasio had said, this was on February 6th, President Trump stopped the flow of people coming from China because of concerns about the virus. So we're hearing from the Democrats, oh, Trump didn't act fast enough. Throughout February, you had de Blasio and Cuomo the New York City Health Commissioner saying, come to Chinatown. The coronavirus is less serious than the flu. If you don't come to Chinatown, you are a fill-in-the-blank. Yes, of course, you're a racist. You're a xenophobe. You're a bigot. You're a hater. Come to Chinatown. Wow. Pelosi did the same crap in California. Now she's screaming about the president. I have to tell you, I've never in my life seen a Speaker of the House of Representatives insult a president of the United States the way she does it, the way she did it. She 
conduct yourself like a witch, not like a leader, okay? You can disagree with the politician. They tried to impeach him. It was a waste of time, a waste of money. It bogged our government down. It made things worse for Americans because business that should have been tended to was put aside while they launched an attack, and it came out that there was nothing there. The Steele dossier was utter fabrication. If it was in the library, it belonged in the science fiction section. Hopefully, the people that did this will ultimately be prosecuted. I was an agent. If I swore out a warrant, I knew that when I raised my right hand and stated that what I contained in my statement was the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, means that if I lied, I'm looking at jail time for committing fraud and perjury. This isn't a game. I really hope some people go to jail. I will have a party when that happens. Not because I'm vindictive, but because I believe in the rule of law. It was my whole life's work, and I don't take that lightly. But on February the 6th, de Blasio was quoted in a local paper saying, we have to have little homes for New Yorkers because we need affordable housing. And where did he suggest New Yorkers live? Over garages and basements and in what he called little houses and backyards. Did he mean dog houses? Did he mean tool sheds? I kid you not. As an immigration agent, I had the opportunity to see so many things, um, things I'll never forget. Walking into an apartment that was utterly filthy, disgusting, the stench is unlike anything you could ever possibly imagine. Sometimes the stench was so horrific that it took weeks to get it out of my nostrils. When one of my buddies retired, I went to his retirement dinner. He said, Mike, I'm going to miss working with you and all the other guys. I'm going to miss the excitement. But he said, you know, the one thing that I will never, ever miss, poverty. And that's really what we encountered. Walk into an apartment, flip on a light switch, and the apartment is so encrusted with insects of such a wide variety, you could open up a museum exhibit if you could catch them all, but you couldn't because they were so thick that when the light went on, this was at night, the bugs scattered in every direction on the wall and everywhere else. You couldn't see the paint on the wall. All you saw was massive movement of huge numbers of bugs. It looked like the football stands with the fans doing the wave. And you looked at the filthy floor, rat droppings all around the perimeter, and in the center of the floor, bare, filthy, smelling, disgusting mattresses laid end to end and side to side in every single room, and often illumination, no chandelier, a bulb hanging out of a hole in the ceiling on a wire. That was it. And maybe one broken dresser somewhere. <clears throat> Those apartments housed sometimes more than 20 adult men. This was an apartment that had been designed for a family of, of four, a mother, a father, and two children. Suddenly, it became a crash pad for 20 illegal aliens living in absolute squalor. As one alien said to me, if you treated animals, dogs, the way they were treated, you'd go to jail. And so de Blasio says, hey, let's make it legal for people to rent out garages and basements and little houses in the backyard. Let's change the parking regulations so we can jam more cars into these neighborhoods because we need affordable housing for New Yorkers. Affordable housing. This is warehousing of people. This is what the third world looks, and I hate to say it, smells like.
brought to you by de Blasio, the U.S. Chamber of Horrors. Uh, did I say that? I meant the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I get that confused so frequently. And Cuomo and all these other sanctuary mayors. Now, what's really remarkable, a little more hypocrisy coming your way, folks. These folks don't like border security. How dare you prevent people from entering the United States? Take what they want a different border. It's the threshold of your front door. Don't you dare go out or we'll have you locked up. We will release murderers and rapists, child molesters, drug dealers, and gun runners. But if you step out of your house, I'm in shock. Another genius, Phil Murphy, goodness gracious, I watched him interviewed by uh, Tucker Carlson two nights ago, and Tucker said, why is it that people are allowed to go to liquor stores, but they're not allowed to attend services in synagogues and churches? And Phil Murphy went into this long thing about how they've been talking about people that are alcoholics and are suffering withdrawal, and they're under a lot of stress, and they've got to do something to help them ameliorate the stress. And medical professionals have said that for some people, alcohol is a good release. And Tucker said, well, for some people, religion helps them to cope. Why are you arresting people who have attended religious services? He said, well, we had to make a decision. There's too many people. It's too jammed in. And the next question and the answer, not the question, but the answer blew me away. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Tucker asked Phil Murphy, this genius, this executive of executives. By the way, executive means you execute. What do you execute? The laws if you're a politician, right? You execute the laws. You execute the Constitution. So Tucker Carlson asked him a very understandable question. He said, you know, freedom of religion is enshrined in the First Amendment of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And he said, how does what your decision square with that? If you saw it, you know what he said. If you didn't see it, hold on to your seat. He said, that wasn't even a consideration. It's above my pay grade. The Constitution is above his pay grade. Do you wonder why we are in trouble? How the hell did this boob get elected governor? Above his pay grade? to consider the Constitution and he's the governor? It should be his legal Bible, his legal GPS, you would think. He's too busy playing important. Okay, now let's move along. The way the media portrays things. I was watching ABC News, David Muir. Bill Gates came on. Bill Gates, oh, Trump, the World Health Organization, this is dangerous. We need them to protect the world from pandemics. Yeah, like right now. Sure thing, Bill. So he's there with Melinda, his wife. And, you know, they're clucking about, oh, this president, boy, is he dangerous. Look what he did. The World Health Organization. Would you believe it if I tell you that the World Health Organization, and again, my hat is off to Fox News, reported on how the World Health Organization is allegedly involved in the trafficking of Cuban doctors to countries such as Brazil, basically treating them as slave workers. Unbelievable. The New York Times wrote a piece about Trump and how terrible it is that he's not paying the World Health Organization, but just two years ago, they did this startling expose, the same New York Times, and what did they talk about? The slave labor provided 
by Cuban doctors. So we're going to trust the World Health Organization after they've lied about what happened in China, after they covered for China, they're China's shell. And apparently they're involved in human trafficking. Even the New York Times said it until Donald Trump tried to hold them accountable. And suddenly the World Health Organization became this wonderful outfit. And God help us all because Donald Trump refuses to fund a corrupt organization. It's endless. It's endless. Next story that they did on ABC News. I believe the number was 78% of the people with coronavirus in Chicago are either black or Latino. That's terrible. But immediately the inference was this is because if you're black or Latino, you're going to get substandard health care. And maybe that's true. I don't know. But there's questions that journalists should ask. You know, Voltaire was right. You judge a person's intelligence by the questions they ask. So there's a couple of questions that come to mind that weren't asked, weren't answered, weren't discussed, and were totally ignored. So let's start out. Number one, percentage of the population that they were looking at is either black or Latino. If 80% of the population is black or Latino, well, you know, that kind of makes sense, that 78% of the population that has this terrible disease are black or Latino. Maybe not. Maybe they're only 10%. That's even worse. But give us a full story. You need to provide some kind of, a, of an anchor so that we understand what that statistic means. So that's item number one. Item number two. If they're getting substandard treatment, is it because of their race or is it because perhaps of socioeconomic standing? The guy on welfare is not going to get the treatment that Bill Gates gets when he walks into a hospital. I think Bill Gates might get slightly better care. I could be wrong. I even think David Muir might get slightly better care than the guy on welfare. Okay? So think about that. Did they ask that question? No, they did not. This is race baiting. As far as I'm concerned, if you go to drop that little nugget, then you need to be complete in what you're saying. Not just say, well, we have to look into whether or not blacks and Latinos are getting substandard care. Yes, that should always be a concern. Everyone of every race, every religion, every ethnicity should be getting equal treatment under the law and medical care and with all factors being the same. Now, there's another issue no one even thought to ask. Could there be a genetic component? Sickle cell anemia is a terrible, potentially lethal disease, and it almost always, at least in high numbers, high percentages, affects black Americans. There's a genetic element. There's another horrible disease where the child is born with a genetic deficiency and is unable to metabolize fat. Eventually, it kills the child. It's called Tay-Sachs. And it almost invariably involves Ashkenazi Jews, Jews from Europe. It's a real concern for Jewish parents that their child does not have Tay-Sachs disease. It's a genetic issue. Did anybody ask, is there any kind of genetic predisposition to um, the virus that may cause people of color to suffer it more frequently? Perhaps. Now, again, I'm not saying that if there was discrimination, we should gloss over it. No, if that's the case, someone needs to be made accountable. But, folks, if you're going to give news to people, news means you have to look at the entire issue. Don't just focus on one element so you can paint whatever picture you want. That's not news. That's dangerous. That's the issue. 
But how many people watching the program said, gee, I wonder if there's an element of, of socioeconomic standing. I wonder if there might be a genetic issue here. What's the percentage of the population that's African or, or Latino? These are questions that if you're going to do a report, all need to be part of the report. You either do it or you don't do it. If you're going to do the story, then you need to be thorough. Don't turn it into a hit piece or, or, or something that might incite something. Because the emphasis today is all about dividing and conquering. Latino voters, black voters, Jewish voters. You know, I've spoken about this in the past. Or Americans. Or Americans. And it just seems as though every time I turn around, the way the media or the pollsters go about what they think is their job, propaganda perhaps, I don't know. You tell me what they think their job is. They find a way to make it divisive, to try to rip America apart, instead of emphasizing our common ground. And believe me, if you sit down with folks, and I've been all over this incredible country, we share so much more than, than we don't share as Americans. Why isn't that the emphasis? These partial stories create divisiveness. It's dangerous. It's un-American. Well, let me give you another example. Now, this one will probably blow you away. Scribe to a publication that is known as Defense One. And Defense One is a, a, a magazine, a, 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 an online website that focuses on military issues, national security, that sort of thing. Defense One, you would think that this is purely being run by people with military backgrounds, except the executive editor is a guy who came from MSNBC, which explained why when I saw one of the headlines, I almost fell over, because the headline that I saw, and this is really a butte, and this was on April the 15th, and here's the one. You're going to love this, folks. Don't be fooled. Trump, Trump's cuts to who? The World Health Organization aren't about the coronavirus. Does this sound like it has anything to do with defense? So let me read the first paragraph. Republicans, suddenly we're, we're talking about politics. We're supposed to be talking about national defense. Blows me away. Republicans have been hating on international organizations for decades. Convenient exercise to take another shot and that harms American security. And it says this. Don't be fooled. President Trump and his supporters don't hate the World Health Organization because of its coronavirus response. The far right hates who? Because it is an international organization. And hating on international organizations has been a page in the Republican playbook for decades. And this is just another opportunity to do it. Wow. Wow. This is supposed to be a credible publication that focuses on national security. So much for that. And finally, it says, this is just another opportunity to do it with the added bonuses of diverting attention from the Trump administration's slow and chaotic pandemic response and on to China, the enemy du jour. The enemy du jour. I'm done with this publication. And just when this thing had me riled up, I got a notice in my, my email today, or yesterday, actually, and, and you're going to love this one. Now, you want to talk about a hit. Now, this one bears a little bit of discussion because you will see what fake news looks and smells like, okay? Hang on to this one, folks. Here's the headline, Defense One. The owner's manual for Trump's new Air Force One cost $84 million. Just 
stop and think about this one. The owner's manual for Trump's new airport. Trump's? Is he going to leave office and with this airplane? Is he going to fly off into the sunset the day that his administration is over, hopefully um, four and a half years from now? Is, is this Trump's Air Force One? Wow. This just absolutely blows my mind. And it goes on and says the Air Force quietly announced that Boeing's manuals for Trump's new $5.3 billion presidential jets are a bit pricier than your average automobile repair guides. Beginning statement. President Donald Trump's much-touted $4 billion deal with Boeing for two new Air Force One aircraft didn't include a key item, the instruction manuals. The cost of these flight and maintenance manuals, $84 million, according to the U.S. Air Force contract announcement, posted Wednesday evening, quote, this contract modification is to modify commercial manuals, update the VC-25B specific information, and deliver integrated manuals for the VC-25B system, the announcement says referring to the next Air Force One aircraft by its military designation. This includes manuals developed by both Boeing and their subcontractors. The technical manuals will include more than 100,000 pages with the specifications for flying the plane as well as fixing it, according to people familiar with the huge, with the high-profile project. So Trump's airplane. Guess what? He's never going to fly in it as commander-in-chief. In fact, the next sentence says, the new manuals aren't expected to be finished until January 2025, according to the Air Force announcement. Trump has made buying the new Air Force One a priority since before moving into the White House shortly after being elected. Okay, let's just stop and think about this one. This is a doozy, and this really pisses me off. Major League. The current pair of jets that we commonly refer to as Air Force One, those magnificent, graceful blue and white 747s first went into service in 1991, 29 years ago. The new planes will not be flying for the, for the next president until the airplanes that are there now will be over 35 years old or about 35 years old or 34 years old. Let me get the math wrong because someone will say I, I misled somebody. So you think maybe the president of the United States should have an airplane that's less than 34 years old? There have been maintenance issues. I've been reading about this for the longest time. They need to update the aircraft, new technology, new engines, stronger, safer, and so forth. We're talking about Air Force One. And the current plane, was those planes went into service in 1991. This isn't Trump's airplane. The Air Force came to the president and said, you know, those airplanes are getting long on tooth. And by the way, they're about to stop the production lines for the 747, which is what Air Force One is derived from. So it's now or never. And they wanted a four-engine jet because four engines gives you extra reliability. Two engines are fine, but you're talking about an airplane that might have to survive a nuclear war, whatever. Four engines give you extra redundancy. So they said, okay, let's order a new airplane. So now it's Trump's Air Force One. By the way, when you get to the bottom of the article, you find out that the price of the manuals was baked into the additional costs that go into preparing the airplane. But what was the headline? What was the purpose to the headline? Just another hit piece. New owner's manual for Trump's new Air Force One costs $84 million. 
the idea, I guess, was to get people to read it and say, boy, that guy with his big ego, he needs a fancy plane. Wow. No, he's not even going to fly in it as commander-in-chief. Maybe the next president, depending on who it is and what the circumstances are, will we'll, we'll give him a little ride so he gets to see it. Maybe not. Who knows? When Bill Clinton became president, he got the new Air Force One, and he gave George Herbert Walker Bush a tour of the airplane because it was George Herbert Walker Bush who ordered Air Force One during his administration, and Bill Clinton got to use it. He was the first president to use it, that Air Force One. So here is a publication that supposedly has credibility, Defense One. And guess what? More garbage, more slander, more attacks. Every day, every way, you have media reports like this, and you wonder why President Trump says, my God, the fake news doesn't stop. It doesn't stop for a heartbeat. This never happened under the Obama administration. This never happened under the Clinton administration. You didn't see this kind of crap. And you know what? You didn't see it under George W. Bush either. You saw some of this, some of this. But I have to tell you, in my life, I have never seen the media attack a president or politicians attack a president the way that President Trump has been under constant attack. Whatever he does, he's wrong. Now, let's flash to another story. Uh, I mean, I, I hope you see the point that I am making about, about the lunacy that is going on in our country between the media, between all of this stuff. Let's be fair. Let's play fair. Let's fight fair. You want to disagree with the president? That's cool. I used to get called by the Republicans, think about that, folks, to criticize the Bush administration, George W. Bush, because he gave us a true Charlie Foxtrot, if you know what those initials are, over the way DHS was put together. We came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. Bush did everything possible to obstruct immigration law enforcement. On May uh, 5th, uh, 2005, there was a hearing about the new dual missions of the Immigration Service, and you ought to read the testimony of John Hostetler, the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee. He was unambiguous, said that what the administration did in creating ICE and CBP as separate entities, which never, ever should have happened, but we know that George W. was a globalist. That's why Jeb Bush was running around saying illegal immigration is an act of love. Sure thing. I wrote a piece and I said Jeb was looking for love at all the wrong paces. But Hostetler said that the way they put it together and the way that they folded customs and agriculture and sky marshals and all these other agencies into this big mess that they created came up with creating immigration incoherence and made it impossible to protect America and, or secure the borders. And that was a Republican telling the truth. And it was accurate. And I was happy to testify because it infuriated me. You never saw attacks on Obama or Clinton like you're seeing here. Even with the shenanigans of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky and all the other crap that he was doing. Not even with all the deals that they were doing, the wheeling and dealing and giving China most favored trade status, they and Herbert Walker Bush. Why? What exactly did China do that we should be doing this for them and they're stealing from us night and day and threatening our military? What in the world are we doing as a country? How more corrupt have we become that 
the needs of America and Americans take a back seat to the needs of the globalists. For the globalists, our borders are speed bumps, and people who die because of terrorists or drugs or transnational criminals are nothing more than collateral damage. They could care less. The Chamber of Commerce is far more fixated on headcounts in hotels and baseball stadiums and, and Broadway shows than they are with body counts at the morgue. And finally, you have a president who says, let's put Americans first. Oh, my God, everybody goes crazy. Folks, have we collectively lost our minds? Americans furious that their president wants to put their concerns ahead of the concerns of other countries and people from other countries? Imagine if your parents said to you, the hell with you, I'm giving money to charity. I'm not going to feed you. You'd say, what, are you crazy? Authorities would take that child away from that parent. But that's what America's been doing right along displacing American workers, moving factories overseas, even when it creates opportunities for our adversaries to steal intellectual property. National security, out the window. Well, the chickens have come home to roost. This has got to be a transformative moment. This is when we, the people, need to stand up and forget if we're Democrats or Republicans. We can disagree on this issue or that issue, but at the end of the day, if our government can't make the safety of American citizens in their own damn country the priority, then boot the bum out of office. You look at the insanity in Michigan, my goodness gracious. People being arrested. By the way, in New Jersey, one guy was arrested for sitting by himself on the beach. Phil Murphy couldn't explain that either. Gee, I have no idea why they would have done that. Well, wait a minute. You're the governor. State police arrested a guy for sitting by himself on the beach. Who was going to get the coronavirus? The crabs zipping along on the sand? Doing here. It seems as though this crisis is giving the totalitarian idiots who maybe couldn't get the attention of a waiter or waitress in a diner to serve them a cup of coffee. Now they can impose their will, and boy, are they having fun So many people do not know how to deal with authority, and they abuse it because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, and these are corrupt bastards. Call them what they are. Enough is enough. In New York, we've had, I don't even know what the death count is, 14,000, 15,000. I mean, this is unbelievable. A couple of nights ago, my wife came running into my office, and she said to me, there's ambulances on the block. And some guy was taken out of a house four or five doors down from me. And you had the ambulance attendants in full moon suits. I feel like I'm living in a science fiction movie. I hope it has a happy ending. How did we get here? How did we get here? You would have thought after the 93 terror attacks, we would have wakened up to the failures of the immigration system. But we didn't. The Clinton administration all but ignored it, which led to to 9-11. And after 9-11, George W. Bush turned the Immigration Service, which wasn't a good agency to begin with, into an absolute disaster. And then Obama, my goodness. And finally, Donald Trump says, wait a minute, we shouldn't be letting people into the country if we don't know who the hell they are. Bigot, xenophobe. Okay, try to walk into the houses of these people screaming xenophobe without knocking on the door and see how quickly they call the police. This is lunacy, folks. Madness. And then you have Patrick Leahy, who should know better. He's been around forever. 
Patrick Leahy, probably one of the oldest men in the Senate. This is on April 7th this year. Leahy leads Judiciary Committee Democrats in demanding answers about DHS's newly claimed authorities to override federal law at the southern border. The senators probe legal basis and precedent for defying laws by executive fiat. So we go back to what I've said before. Under Title VIII, United States Code Section 1182F, the president has the authority to deny the entry of any alien or all aliens if he believes that their presence in the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. That's standing law. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution promises the state's Republican form of government the protection against invasion. The CDC has specific authority to, to block the entry of aliens to prevent pandemics. But there's Leahy. So on the one hand, you have Leahy saying that the president had no right to do what he did. On the other hand, you have Schiff saying the president didn't do anything and whatever he did wasn't done fast enough. He stopped the flow of people into the country from China January 31st. In February, the Democrats were cavorting in ethnic neighborhoods saying that if you didn't come out and celebrate and go to the restaurants and participate in the parade and get into these huge crowds of people standing nose to nose, you're a bigot and a xenophobe and a racist. Now they want to rewrite history blaming Trump. Interesting postscript to this one. There's a publication called The Hill. So on April 15th, which should have been tax day, it wasn't, and we can have a mixed answer. Maybe it's good it wasn't, but not for the reason that it wasn't. Article published in The Hill. Here's the title. Can the Trump administration prevent asylum-seeking aliens from entering the United States during COVID-19? The author of the article is someone I personally know. The author of the article was the counsel to the House Immigration Subcommittee. He quoted that same section of law. And then he concluded, finally, let me read the conclusion. For a description of the restrictions being imposed by countries around the world, see the New York Times article, Coronavirus Travel Restrictions Across the Globe. Before the suspension order went into effect, the Border Patrol apprehended more than 31,000 aliens a month who had crossed the Mexican border illegally between ports of entry, and approximately 7,200 aliens a month were found to be inadmissible at the ports of entry. If there's a safe way to provide processing that the senators are demanding during the COVID-19 crisis, I don't know what it would be. In any case, I am satisfied that the administration is not exceeding its authority with the emergency measures the senators are complaining about. And this guy was the chief counsel for the House Immigration Subcommittee. And are you ready for this? On the Democratic side. On the Democrat side. In fact, he arranged me to testify at a hearing at the behest of Sheila Jackson Lee. So here is the former counsel for the Democratic Party and the House of Representatives siding with the president, with the administration. This is madness, folks. This is sheer and utter madness. You know how Trump is wrong if he does anything or doesn't do anything? It doesn't matter. He's wrong. If he turns to the left or he turns to the right, he's wrong because he shouldn't have turned. Of course, if he didn't turn, then he was indecisive, and that's wrong also. He's just plain wrong. We need politicians who don't play games, 
We need politicians who are true leaders, who are statesmen. When was the last time, think about that, that you looked at a politician and said, boy, that guy is a true statesman. That woman is a true statesman. We have fallen so far that we stop the plunge to oblivion. We are living in a dangerous era. God only knows what happened in China, but what we do know is the impact. What happened in China, sir as hell didn't stay in China. And one of the most disturbing reports, if true, really raises lots of questions, which is perhaps why the administration is now doing a thorough investigation. God knows what's going to come out of it. There is a report that China prevented the residents of Hunan from leaving Hunan province to travel anywhere in China, realizing the potential for an epidemic. However, and this is a biggie, they did nothing, apparently, to stop those people who might be carrying the disease from getting on international airline flights. Wow. If that's the case, the obvious question was this done intentionally by the government of China to create the nightmare we're now facing? I have no idea. I don't know what the answer to that question is. But questions are very important, and answers must be found by our leaders. And instead of playing partisan politics, it's time that all politicians stood up for America. Instead, the radical left is standing with China. Bill Gates is standing with the World Health Organization. I never thought I would see our country having to deal with such crooks and incompetent boobs. But here we are. But at the end of the day, we the people bear the responsibility. We are the employers of these politicians. If you have a company and you find that the people that work for you can't be trusted, you need to fire them. I don't care if these people are with the Hopping Kangaroo Party, folks. I just want leaders in various positions of authority on all levels of government who certainly don't think that the Constitution is above their pay grade, Phil Murphy, hint, or think that it's okay to let people go to liquor stores but not be able to celebrate their religions. I mean, this is nuts. I never thought I would see this kind of madness descend on our country. This is like a bad script from a Twilight Zone episode or maybe Saturday Night Live. But there's certainly nothing funny here. Nothing at all. We live in a dangerous era, and we need leaders such as we had back in the Second World War when the generation then, because of their courage and their vision and their integrity, a word so lacking, earned that generation the title, the greatest generation. At the rate we're going, we could wind up America's last generation, and we must do everything to prevent that from, God forbid, happening. We need to be involved. We need to have conversations with our neighbors, not fights, not arguments. Watch the news sometimes on the other side. Understand the brainwash that they get every time they turn on the news. I mean, ABC News, in in, in 10 minutes, I knew exactly what was going on. You read this article from Defense One, you know exactly what's going on. There is a steady drumbeat where no matter what the president does, 
He's going to be attacked and attacked, attacked unfairly. You want to go after him when you think he did something wrong. I'm with you. That's called accountability. That's not what we have here. What we have here is a war against the president. You know, if the Republicans treated President Roosevelt the way the Democrats were treating President Trump, the Republicans would have gone berserk when D-Day was successful. They would have been rooting for the Nazis. That's exactly how I feel about these people. It is un-American. It is un-American. If you think the president did something wrong, by all means, call them out. Try to change direction. Do something. But attack, 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 when in point of fact, it was those politicians who got it wrong. Those probably cost lots of lives by convincing people that if you don't want to be a bigot or a racist or be accused of it, because these people I don't think that didn't go with bigots or racists, but they intimidated them. You know, you're a chicken if you don't jump off the desk and the guy jumps off the desk and breaks his arm. You're a chicken if you don't go to Chinatown. And some of those people, rather than be a chicken, might be dead now. Who knows? It has to stop. I'm tired of the insults and the accusations. If you try to protect yourself, the immediate knee-jerk accusation is you're a racist, a bigot, and a hater. Is that why you're expected to knock on someone's door before they let you in? You know, knock-knock jokes are universally known around the world. Everyone understands it. If there's a door on the house, you don't just push the door open. You have to be invited in. Does that make you antisocial? Or does that just mean you're careful, prudent, and, and showing some common sense? And that's really what's lacking here, folks. Common sense, morality, integrity. Lacking and large economy size. We have to make some tough decisions come November. And I really hope that everything that's playing out today will be remembered by we the people when we go into that voting booth this coming November. For the meanwhile, I hope that all of you will stay safe. Uh, make the most of the time you have with your family. That is one good thing, that we get to spend time together the way that perhaps we normally don't. Let's try to find some lemonade in this uh, pile of lemons. And uh, please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. We've got to get involved. We have to have conversations with our neighbors, not fights, not condescending arguments. Tragedies very often help people to focus. And this tragedy should really give people a serious opportunity to give some serious thought about where we go from here. I hope you make the right decisions. Be well, everybody. Have a good weekend. Again, I apologize for no music at the end of the program. Uh, but, again, it's always good to join you. Please check out my articles at uh, Front Page Mag. And, by the way, check out Dennis Michael Lynch's movie, um, They Come to America, The Politics of Immigration. It's available on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you can get it for free. Check it out, and we'll see you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long, everybody.